Good morning. I'm Charlie Lahardy. And in the Love Express series, what we've been thinking about are two things. In the poets, how do we see examples of how God expresses his love to you and me? And how do we hear God calling us to express his love through us to other people? And so I'm going to look at that a little bit. How does God express his love through us? I got into Psalm 84, and I want to read a little bit of that for you. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrows find a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at the place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. And then a few verses later, he makes this very famous um, statement. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. Now, gatekeepers are not very common these days, but you do see them occasionally. They're usually named Bob, and they're sitting behind some... (laughs) Some guardhouse taking down license numbers as you go by. If you've been to New York City, uh, you've probably seen doormen at uh, the hotels and at apartment houses. Um, They work a little bit like gatekeepers. Uh, I think when the psalmist um, was talking and writing about gatekeepers, I think of kind of those nameless receptionists that are at the lobbies of businesses and government offices and doctor's offices that show you in. Or the greeters that meet you at Walmart and hand you a shopping cart while smiling at you. I would rather hand out shopping carts in the house of my God than live the good life somewhere else. That's probably what the psalmist was saying there. One of the ways God expresses love through us is by giving us an opportunity to serve others. And sometimes that service doesn't cost us very much. It's trivial. We think of it as trivial. We forget at the moment we do it. But at other times, it means putting our lives on hold doing something that takes all of our energy. It really costs us dearly. We say sometimes actions speak louder than words. I'm not really sure that's exactly right. It's close, but words are really important, frankly. It's good to say words of love to each other. It's good to express our feelings and our faith, but sometimes words are inadequate. It's really important to make sure that our actions are congruent with, line up with our words, but sometimes Words just don't cut it, and we have to get to work. When Jesus took a basin of water and he washed the grimy feet of his disciples, he laid down the, the responsibilities, the rights of a, of a rabbi and took on the responsibility of a slave to serve his disciples. Sometimes the most powerful way to express love of God to others, I think, is through acts of humble service and not words. This summer I received a call from my sister telling me that my mom had been diagnosed with leukemia. My mom had been in great health. She was 88 years old. Uh, She was living independently. She was the one who took her friends to the doctors whenever they needed help. Um, So this was a surprise to us. And she went to an oncologist, and he suggested chemotherapy. And he said, during this chemo, you're not going to be able to live by yourself. Somebody's going to have to stay with you. So my sister, Nancy, moved in with her. Now, Nancy is a retired nurse, and... um, She and her husband, Greg, only live about an hour from my mom, so they were very engaged in her life anyway. 
The only thing I know about medical stuff is what I've learned by watching Dr. Gregory House on TV. And I have a job, and people depend on me, and I have a family. So, you know, I probably could have come up with a valid excuse to let my sister take care of my mom and just pray, do the, the godly thing. But in my heart, I really wanted to be there. I wanted to help mom go through what, was, what she was going through by her side. I wanted to serve her in the same way that she'd served me all of my life. And I believe those desires, frankly, were put there by the Holy Spirit. So for once, I listened to the Holy Spirit, and I went. And I went for about five months. And it was five months of ups and downs, hospitalizations, regressions, progress, disappointments. Um, and finally, well, not very long into that process, my mom got to the point where she couldn't take care of herself. And so my sister and I cooked for her and washed her clothes and helped her to get to the restroom and um, took her to her weekly doctor appointments and read to her and prayed with her and just did life together with her. We had all sorts of great conversations about faith and heaven, about death and life, and about family and love. And I just did whatever I could do. And when there wasn't anything that I could do, I was just with her, loving her. I supported her the best I can. And, and, and I was really impressed and blessed and amazed to see how many friends my mom had. And they all chipped in in various ways. They called her constantly. They sent her cards constantly. They prayed for her. They visited her. As she became sicker, she would often tell my sister and me how grateful she was for our help and our presence. She said she had never felt so loved before and never imagined that the two of us would be willing to step away from our lives, from our families and homes, to take such good care of her. And that's when I knew that God had expressed his love through me for my mom. Mom finally died at home on November 16th, and my sister were right there with her, my sister and I. And as hard as it was to lose her, and it was hard and is hard, we also both felt that God had given us a tremendous gift, a wonderful gift, the opportunity to show our love for the woman who had loved us so faithfully. One way that God expresses his love through us is by letting us serve others. I'll finish with a passage from Jesus in Matthew 22. Matthew 20. Jesus called his disciples together and he said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. So we're in a series of messages uh, here uh, this past month and the next month called Love Expressed. And we're finding through this series that there are a lot of ways that we can love each other that are beyond the ones that we typically hear about or engage in ourselves on a normal basis. As we're reading through these poetic and wisdom books of the Old Testament over, the next, over this 40-day period, we're finding those things together and realizing there are so many ways that we can express love to people. Sometimes those ways of expressing love are, are difficult or challenging to do, but they can reap so many more rewards than what the typical... You would see like on Valentine's Day when it's just run to the grocery store and buy a dozen roses or some candy for someone. Today we're going to actually be looking in the book of Proverbs, so you can turn there if you want to Proverbs 15. We're going to be reading through much of the book of Proverbs here over this next week, and so that will be where we focus this morning. And as you're turning there, let me just share with you a few things about Proverbs. 
Uh, Proverbs that as a book is about as a collection or actually six collections of sayings that were written back around 3,000 years ago in the ancient Near East. Um, they offer all these practices, practices for good living and how to live wisely. Proverbs are very much like Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, are very much like our Proverbs today. Americans don't come up with nearly as good of a Proverbs as they did back then. The best we can do are things like measure twice, cut once, and you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket or something like that. But, uh, and so these are kind of similar to that except a few noticeable differences. When you get in the book of Proverbs, you'll see, number one, most of these Proverbs are actually written in two lines. And those two lines, in those two lines, they will kind of build on or accentuate or uh, comparison and contrast of the other. You'll also find that as you look at these, that they typically will compare the fool with the wise or the wicked with the righteous. And they're all built around this opening premise in the very beginning of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, that says the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Now, these Proverbs cover all kinds of major life topics as you read through it. You'll see that it talks about things like growing up and working. It talks about topics like marriage and parenting, sex and money, uh, social justice. And it also talks a lot about wisdom and wise speech. Or wise words. Proverbs talks a lot about the benefits of accepting wise words from God and from other people. And it says wise words are like deep waters. They literally can save our lives. They are important redirecting moments in our lives. And they can be expressions of love from others who are willing to take the time to speak truth in love to us when we need it the most. Whether we recognize it at the time. Or not. Those of us who live for Christ and we have surrendered our lives to Christ, the scriptures say that God's Spirit comes to live within us and He becomes, the Holy Spirit becomes our counselor to guide us in wisdom. That's one of the ways that God shows His love to us, is by coming and living in, among us and being present in our lives and speaking words of truth and wisdom, conviction into our lives if we're willing to listen. Likewise, If we really love and care for someone, one of the best ways we can show love is through wise words. That's what I want us to see this morning. Wise words. Helping people around us to see other perspectives or to see how others have received what we thought they heard from us, things that we have said or done, how we might see things differently than others do and how people might feel about the things that we have said or done. The Proverbs um, teach us a lot about wisdom and sharing wise words when appropriate. Yet many of us, I find, um, and this is, this is, I think this is true, if not most of us, of all of us, is that even though we know wise words are really helpful and they can be expressions of love to us in important times, we tend to be fearful of them. We tend to shy away from sharing them with other people because we're so concerned in those moments we can become fearful and we're afraid that someone is going to not receive them well or get upset with us or reject us in some way. And so the easiest thing to do is just to keep our mouths shut, mind their own business, and allow them to do whatever they're doing, whether they recognize it's hurting others or themselves or not. If we realize someone is a fool, as Proverbs describes it, Proverbs says, someone who is unwilling to hear God's truth, God's wisdom, regardless of how well it's shared. Proverbs calls that person a fool. 
And Jesus says, it's better to cast your pearls before swine than than to try to share wisdom with someone who is a fool like that, who, is, uh, who will refuse to see truth, who only sees truth through their own lenses, the way they see things in life. That's a wasted effort. But all too often, please hear me, all too often, I think we assume everyone around us to be fools rather than being willing to enter into their lives and be willing to share words of truth, to share words of wisdom in love when the time is right. We assume that no one around us wants to hear what we have to say because it might be hard to hear. And so it's easy to just mind our own business. And let someone else do that. But think about it this way. Imagine tomorrow you pull into a mechanic and you want them to just do a thorough inspection of your car. And they spend a number of hours looking at your car and then you come back up and they hand you back the keys and they say, you know what, your car is in great shape. Clearly, there must be an automotive genius who is taking care of this car. And then you drive off the lot and your brakes suddenly fail and you could have died. You come to find out that there wasn't any oil or there wasn't any brake fluid in the lines or the lines had been cut and the mechanic hadn't done anything about it and said that it needed to be fixed, hadn't really talked with you about that. And you go back to them and like, what, what do you mean my car's in great shape? I almost died. How would you respond if the mechanic said, well, you know what, I, I saw that, but I really didn't want you to feel bad. And to be honest, I was afraid you might get upset with me. I want this to be a safe place where you can feel loved and, and accepted. You'd be furious, right? You'd be like, I'm not paying you to give me some fantasy-based ego boost. I'm, I'm giving you my car so that you'll tell me the truth, right? Or... Imagine going to the doctor and having your annual physical. And they look you over really well. They ask all the right questions. They check out everything. And then they, in the end they say, you know what, sir? You are a magnificent physical specimen. You have the body of an Olympian. You deserve to be congratulated for how well you take care of yourself. And then a few days later you're climbing the stairs and your heart starts to give out. And you're clutching your test, chest. You get rushed to the hospital. You find out your arteries are clogged. And you're one jelly donut away from the Grim Reaper. And you go back to the doctor and you're like, what, what gives? You told me I was a, like an Olympian. How could you have not told me the truth? And he says, the doctor says, well, you know what? I could tell that your body was in worse shape than the Pillsbury Doughboy. But I felt like if I told you that, you'd get offended. And I'm not in the business to share bad news with people. I, didn't, I want you to be able to come back. My, my role is to encourage you. My role is to listen well and to love and to support you however I can. You'd be furious, right? You'd be like, I, I pay you to take care of my body, not tell me good, encouraging things the way you think I want to hear them. None of us would want a mechanic or a doctor like that, right? So why in the world would we want a friend like that? How many of you want a friend or a family member like that? who tells you all the time what you think you want to hear rather than the truth. Proverbs says only fools want to live like that. If we, and, and here's the hardest part. If we love people, if we truly love people, we get involved. We don't say, well, that's none of my business really. I'll just let them figure that out for themselves. I'll, I'll pray and let God say that to them. 
we get involved. And if I'm doing something really stupid in my life and you truly love me, now I know I wouldn't do something like that. I mean, obviously I would never do something really stupid, but humor me for just a moment. If I were to do something like that, I would hope that you would love me enough to speak words of wisdom, to speak words of truth into my life, because I'm no more beyond missing it than you are. And if I love you, hopefully I would humbly and carefully do the exact same thing. Love is expressed through wise words, not just through the pats on the back and saying all the things that we think we want to hear, but saying the things that we need to hear sometimes. Love listens and corrects with care so that only fools would refuse to receive it. So the question then is, how, right? If we, if we know we're supposed to do that, if we know that the people whose lives we're involved in, when, when God's nudging us to, to get involved and to share wise words, tough words maybe sometimes, truthful words in someone's life, sometimes we get nervous and we're like, well, yeah, but I might say it the wrong way. Or, so how, how do we communicate wise words to people? Well, that's where Proverbs comes in today. As, I'm on, as we look at Proverbs 15, I'm going to just pull out maybe four or five verses, but they are very clear and direct, and they give us real hands-on information for how to share wise words in a way that they can be received well, whether they're solicited by another person or not. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Proverbs 15 says, A gentle answer deflects anger but harsh words make tempers flare and then if you jump down to verse 4 it says again gentle words are a tree of life and a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit you see when we're sharing things with someone that is potentially difficult to hear being fearful isn't helpful it actually gets in the way but out of love for them, what this is sharing with us, what the, what the writer of Proverbs is sharing is that we should share wise words with someone with gentleness so that they can hear us well. We're not trying so hard to stress what we're saying so that they can really get it clearly. And we share it perhaps in a rough way because verse 18 says that when we share words like that, that just starts quarrels, that starts fights. There's a, there's a proverb that, that I remember when I was raised in the South that comes to my mind when I think of this. And it was this, you can catch way more flies with honey than with vinegar, right? Gentleness. When we, it's not so much oftentimes the what we're sharing that can penetrate, it's, it's the way we're sharing it. Let me ask you this. Have you ever held back pointing out destructive patterns in a person's life because you didn't want them to get upset you could see the trail of destruction they might be leaving behind them with other people, but you didn't want to get involved. But then they do the same to you. And all of a sudden, all that pent-up stuff, all that pent-up wisdom that you've been holding on to for months just kind of comes out like a lava flow, right? You, this stockpile of ammunition that you didn't even realize you had, all of a sudden you just blast them with it. And obviously, love is not expressed well in those moments, Right? And it makes it harder for us to share wise words with them in the future. It's in those times that we tend to hesitate, that we tend to hold back because we're afraid of how it's going to come out and we avoid sharing wise words that it just builds and it makes it more and more challenging to be able to do. 
I love what Proverbs chapter 25 says about this. I saw this recently, and it's just made me think a lot about it. It says, soft speech can break bones. Think about that for a moment. So oftentimes we're tempted to think, well, we need to be really blunt and clear when we're sharing truth with people. They need to understand it. And we just want to, and we oftentimes as Christians will use this phrase, sharing the truth in love. And really what that means is not so much love as it's truth. We just want to kind of blast someone with the truth, but put Jesus in it. But what this is saying is soft speech is what breaks bones. How? Because what it's saying is, when we come alongside someone with gentleness, when they see that our hearts aren't to try to change them, to get them to do what we want, but our hearts are for them, that they can tell that we love them, that soft speech is all that's needed to help pull someone back to God and have a greater impact. James says, God's wisdom is gentle. And if we let someone get a rise out of us in those moments, and we're not gentle, all the words we can end up sharing after that are totally useless. Let's look at verse 2. Notice what he says next. He says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of the fool belches out foolishness. Wise words aren't just gentle, but they're also persuasive. Notice it says, Words of correction that are wisely shared are actually appealing. It's helping someone see not just what they're doing wrong, but how much better life could be, how much better things could be if a change was made. It finds out, it takes the time to figure out as you're sharing with someone how to come alongside them with a cooperative posture rather than putting them in a defensive one. 2 Corinthians talks about this and it says it takes work, it takes forethought to do that, but it is very possible and something that we are called to do. One of the best ways we can do that, actually, I have found in my life is through the power of a story. By helping walk alongside someone and say, you know what, what you're facing, I know this is hard to get your head around, um, how you can make the change you need to make, but I found myself in a very similar place in my life and being able to share with them what that has looked like. It helps someone else to see that you've walked a mile in their shoes and that you understand what they're talking about. As the great theologian Steve Martin once said, before you criticize a man, walk a mile in his shoes. That way, at the very least, you'll be a mile away and you'll have his shoes. Part of what, part of what makes words persuasive is their gentleness, Proverbs says. Jesus, Jesus was a master at this. He did this so well. I mean, think about, for example, the woman at the well, if you remember that story, who had been constantly in unhealthy relationships with men. Jesus found ways to come alongside her and be persuasive and be able to help her to see a change that was needed. And one of the ways he did that actually was through the power of a question. Jesus had this remarkable way of thinking ahead how he would share wise words with people through the form of questions. Someone actually took the time not too long ago, and I had actually heard this in a talk, that Jesus asked people 307 tough questions in the Gospels. His way of confronting people oftentimes wasn't through what they should do, but asking them in the form of a question what they feel like they should do. And this was true in this woman in the well's life, as well as many, many others. Jesus also knew the power behind sharing fewer words rather than more words which is something, just to be honest with you, that I have struggled with over and over in my life. 
So oftentimes, when God's called me to share words with someone, to try to encourage them to make a change in their life, I'm so concerned about how they're receiving it, and if they're okay, and if they're, they're understanding what I'm saying well, that I'll tend to talk a little bit too much. And my wife has corrected me a few times and said, David, just stop talking. The more words you share, sometimes the worse it is. You, we, sometimes we get so nervous because we want them to understand that we keep talking. <laughs> Proverbs actually says, wise people share fewer words. And it even says that fools sometimes can appear wise by sharing less, which is comforting for me to hear. Which kind of leads to the third thing that the Proverbs talk about here in Proverbs 15. And that is that wise words are considered carefully before they are spoken. Look at verse 28. It says, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with many words. You see, this is a a comparison between those who weigh their words and, as, as one other translation puts it, those whose speech gushes out like a broken dam. The truth is, if we want to be more loving in our wisdom and in our correction, we don't just jump into these conversations haphazardly. We take the time to think about them, to, to determine what words we do want to share and what words we don't want to share, and how to share those words. And in that moment when we're talking with someone, we take the time to really, as hard as this can be sometimes, to listen and to validate what another person is saying, rather than spending that time while they're talking, thinking up what we're going to say next, right? You ever done that? It's hard sometimes, because in the middle of a tough conversation, the last thing we want to do is slow down and carefully consider our words. But can you think of a better way to love someone than by doing that? It only takes one word One phrase that is shared in the wrong way that can just cut, right? And ruin anything that you might hope to accomplish in that conversation. And all of the other words that you share, no matter how wise they might be, are worthless at that point. I can't tell you how many times I have thought through carefully some wise words that I wanted to share with my wife, right? And then I say one thing in the heat of a moment or one phrase that just ruins the whole thing and blows it up, right? And the conversation's destroyed. And it wasn't my intention, but just not taking that time, as the Proverbs say, to think carefully what you're saying before you share it. Can, can you relate it all to what I'm saying here? Or are you just feeling sorry for me right now and just ch- shaking your head? Okay, please tell me you understand what I'm saying here. Okay, I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm starting to second-guess you there for a minute. How often in moments like these do we not get the, word, the results that we hope for because we just say the first thing that comes to our minds, right? James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's, a patience, uh, that's a, an approach that shows patience and that shows humility and it really shows love. The last thing I'll show, share with you here, and then we'll wrap up, is in verse 31. And that is that wise words are constructive. In other words, they're, they're meant to build up rather than tear down, which is so important. It says in verse 31, If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. These 
words, constructive criticism. Again, they're words that are intended, that are meant to build someone up, not to tear them down. To show them what the future can look like, not just what the past did look like. They're not words that are meant to feel to the other person like a personal attack in some way. But they're words that we share with them because we love them and because we want to help. We don't just want to get them to do what we want. Our observations and our, words, and our wise words can't be presumptuous. We can't just assume in those moments. We have to make sure that the things that we're sharing are truthful and accurate, even when the truth isn't what they want to hear. And also that they're clear and direct. Because our goal isn't to make someone like us in that moment so much as to express love and to help them to see how they can become a better person, how they can become more Christ-like in those moments. Recently, I heard this story about a guy named John Beckett. Uh, John Beckett's a fairly successful Christian businessman in this country. And he was sharing recently about the power behind wise words. He said he, said he was in a dental chair one time not too long ago. And he had to have a filling put in. And you know, if you've ever gone through this experience, right? You know, you're in this dental chair and they shoot this, this whatever this is in your, in your mouth. And all of a sudden your mouth starts going numb. And you're kind of hoping that drool's not running down the side of your face, right? You're kind of waiting for them to come in and start making all these loud noises inside your mouth, right? And so he's, he's, he's in this stadium. He's gotten all this Novocaine or whatever this is in his mouth, and he's waiting, and this the dental assistant walks in and says, Are you John Beckett? And, he's, and he kind of mumbles out, Yeah. And then she says, Hmm, yeah, you fired my husband a while back. <laughs> he's like, Uh-oh. Not the right time for this, right? I can't move. I can't talk. I'm pretty helpless in this moment. He had no idea who this woman was, who her husband was, why he had fired her, fired him. And then she starts unloading. She says, this happened about 10 years ago. It was a few days after your company hired my husband. You required him to take a drug test and he failed it. And then you, 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 you probably don't even remember this, she said, but you brought him into your office before you walked him out the door and you said this. You said, I realize I have, don't have any choice but to terminate you, but I want to tell you something. You're at a crossroads, young man. You can keep going the way you are, you're, you're going, and your results will be pretty predictable. Or you can take this as a wake-up call and decide to turn your life around. <laughs> this guy, he's just like totally sweating in this chair. He's like, oh, man, how am I going to get out of this mess? And she keeps going. She says, I want you to know, John, that my husband took your advice. Today he's a good father, he's a good husband, and he has a fine job. And then she looked at him really close in the eyes and she said, thank you for firing my husband. That encounter really, John Beckett talks about this even to this day, he says, that encounter really changed my life. Because he says it helped me to realize the power behind speaking truth into people's lives. To not hide behind a, a smile and pretend that everything's okay when it's not. But to enter into the mess of those that you love. Even those that you may not even know very well, but you sense that God's calling you to speak words of love, words of wisdom into their lives. It can be a powerful thing and a great way to express love to another person if it's done well. As author Michael Novak once said, he says, our capacity for self-deception has no known limits. Our, all sin involves self-deception. And it's sobering to realize 
how that self-deception is going on in my life and in yours every single day. We need people who are willing to love us enough to speak wise words into our lives in appropriate times. And when we enter into the lives of the people that we know, the people that we're in relationship with, the people that we love, we have the ability to speak words of wisdom, words of encouragement, words of truth, words of life, words of love. We can say, ah, I don't think I should get involved. None of my business, really. That's not a loving response. (laughs) That's a response of self-protection. And that's a response of fear. Love doesn't avoid speaking wisdom and truth into someone's life. Love listens and love corrects with care. But love shares truth in such a way that only a fool would refuse to receive it. Let's not be fools, you and I, and think that we have little to learn from our brothers and sisters in this room, those who are walking with God around us. And let's not be fearful and assuming that everyone around us is a fool who wouldn't be willing to receive any words of correction, words of wisdom, words of love that might need to be shared in an appropriate time, whether it's solicited or not. Because when they're given in love, guys, they can change a life. Would you pray with me? Lord, through this series, we're, we're really seeing that there's a... There's a lot of ways to express love that we haven't realized. We can express love through acts of mercy with people that, and they don't, yeah, they don't deserve it, but you call us to love in those ways. You call us to love people through their imperfections at times, as we talked about last week, and today through words of wisdom. Lord, many of us, we just, we shy away from this. We just don't want to do it. We don't want to get involved. We, We hope, we think, we pray. God, that you'll have someone else do it. Lord, I think about Moses when he was in, wandering around the, in the desert and you told him to share wise words with a Pharaoh. And he's like, ha, 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 find somebody else, God. Find somebody else more wise, more learned, who can speak better than me. And God's like, no, I chose you. Lord, in those moments when you're choosing us, may you give us the courage to share those words and the love to look into that person's eyes and know this isn't about trying to fix them, but to walk with them and to love them through a dark and difficult time, a time of confusion or uncertainty or a time when they don't even realize that things aren't going the way they think they are. Lord, help us to be your salt, your light in our community, in our world, by showing, our, showing the world that we love well, not just with our acts of service, but with our words of wisdom. If you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never accepted him into your heart, if you've, or maybe you're here today and you're kind of like Jay Jenkins and you just you walked away a long time ago from God or the church and you just kind of have done your own thing because of the pain that you've experienced and now you sense God somehow bringing you back. What would it look like for you today to just recommit your heart and life to him today to throw away the past and to look forward to a future with him if that's you this morning i just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart heavenly father i thank you for bringing me here today 
to hear this word of wisdom, this word of clarity. Lord, I can remember times in my life when I've heard those words and they've perhaps been offensive to me because I didn't want to listen well. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of all the times I have hurt others or that I have sinned, I've failed you in some ways. God, I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sins, that you put them as far away as the scriptures say, as the east is from the west. Lord, I pray that you would uh, come into my life and fill me with your spirit, your spirit of wisdom and guidance and counsel, as the scriptures talk about, as I confess that you are my Savior and my Lord, who have, in your love for me, has given everything for me. Lord, I thank you for these acts of love. I thank you for chasing after me, even when I didn't want to be chased. And I thank you for meeting me here today. In Jesus' name, amen.